of Seneca's Writings by Sir Roger Lestrange from Seneca's Morals of a Happy Life, Benefits, Anger, and Clemency. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Grace Buchanan Of Seneca's Writings it appears that our author had among the ancients three professed enemies. In the first place, Caligula, who called his writings sand without lime, alluding to the starts of his fancy and the incoherence of his sentences. But Seneca was never the worse for the censure of a person that propounded even the suppressing of Homer himself, and of casting Virgil and Livy out of all public libraries. The next was Fabius, who taxes him for being too bold with the eloquence of former times, and failing in that point himself, and likewise for being too quaint and finical in his expressions, which Tacitus imputes in part to the freedom of his own particular inclination, and partly to the humor of the times. He is also charged by Fabius as no profound philosopher, but with all this he allows him to be a man very studious and learned, of great wit and invention, and well-read in all sorts of literature, a severe reprover of vice, most divinely sententious, and well worth the reading, if it were only for his morals, adding that if his judgment had been answerable to his wit, it had been much the more for his reputation. But he wrote whatever came next, so that I would advise the reader, says he, to distinguish where he himself did not. For there are many things in him not only to be approved, but admired. And it was great pity that he that could do what he would should not always make the best choice. His third adversary is Agellius, who falls upon him for his style, and a kind of tinkling in his sentences, but yet commends him for his piety and good counsels. On the other side, Calumella calls him a man of excellent wit and learning. Pliny, the prince of erudition, Tacitus gives him the character of a wise man and a fit tutor for a prince. Dio reports him to have been the greatest man of his age. Of those pieces of his that are extant, we shall not need to give any particular account. And of those that are lost, we cannot, any farther than by lights to them from other authors, as we find them cited much to his honor and we may reasonably compute them to be the greater part of his works. That he wrote several poems in his banishment may be gathered partly from himself, but more expressly out of Tacitus, who says that he was reproached with his applying himself to poetry, after he saw that Nero took pleasure in it, out of a design to curry favor. St. Jerome refers to a discourse of his concerning matrimony. 
Lactantius takes note of his history and his books of moralities. St. Augustine quotes some passages of his out of a book of superstition. Some references we meet with to his books of exhortations. Fabius makes mention of his dialogues, and he himself speaks of a treatise of his own concerning earthquakes, which he wrote in his youth, but the opinion of an epistolary correspondence that he had with St. Paul does not seem to have much color for it. Some few fragments, however, of those books of his that are wanting are yet preserved in the writings of other eminent authors, sufficient to show the world how great a treasure they have lost by the excellency of that little that is left. Seneca, says Lactantius, that was the sharpest of all the Stoics, how great a veneration has he for the Almighty, as, for instance, discoursing of a violent death, do you not understand, says he, the majesty and the authority of your judge? He is the supreme governor of heaven and earth, and the God of all your gods. And it is upon him that all those powers depend, which we worship for deities. Moreover, in his exhortations, This God, says he, when he laid the foundations of the universe and entered upon the greatest and the best work in nature in the ordering of the government of the world, though he was himself all in all, yet he substituted other subordinate ministers as the servants of his commands. And how many other things does this heathen speak of God like one of us? Which the acute Seneca, says Lactantius again, saw in his exhortations. We, says he, have our dependence elsewhere, and should look up to that power to which we are indebted for all that we can pretend to that is good. And again, Seneca says very well in his morals. They worship the images of the God, says he. Kneel to them and adore them. They are hardly ever from them, either plying them with offerings or sacrifices. And yet, after all this reverence to the image, they have no regard at all to the workmen that made it. Lactantius again? An invective, says Seneca in his exhortations, is the masterpiece of most of our philosophers. And if they fall upon the subject of avarice, lust, ambition, they lash out into such excess of bitterness as if railing were a mark of their profession. They make me think of gallipots in an apothecary's shop that have remedies without and poison within. Lactantius still, he that would know all things, let him read Seneca, the most lively describer of public vices and manners, and the smartest reprehender of them. And again, as Seneca has it in the books of moral philosophy, 
he is the brave man whose splendor and authority is the least part of his greatness that can look death in the face without trouble or surprise who if his body were to be broken upon the wheel or melted lead to be poured down his throat would be less concerned for the pain itself than for the dignity of bearing it let no man says lactantius think himself the safer in his wickedness for want of a witness for god is omniscient and to him nothing can be a secret it is an admirable sentence that seneca concludes his exhortations withal god says he is a great i know not what an incomprehensible power it is to him that we live and to him that we must approve ourselves what does it avail us that our consciences are hidden from men when our souls lie open to god what could a christian have spoken more to the purpose in this case than this divine pagan and in the beginning of the same work says seneca what is it that we do to what end is it to stand contriving and to hide ourselves we are under a guard and there is no escaping from our keeper one man may be parted from another by travel death sickness but there is no dividing us from ourselves it is to no purpose to creep into a corner where nobody shall see us ridiculous madness make it the case that no mortal eye could find us out he that has a conscience gives evidence against himself it is truly and excellently spoken of seneca says lactantius once again consider says he the majesty the goodness and the venerable mercies of the almighty a friend that is always at hand what delight can it be to him the slaughter of innocent creatures or the worship of bloody sacrifices let us purge our minds and lead virtuous and honest lives his pleasure lies not in the magnificence of temples made with stone but in the pity and devotion of consecrated hearts in the book that seneca wrote against superstitions treating of images says st austin he writes thus they represent the holy the immortal and the inviolable gods in the basest matter and without life or motion in the forms of men beasts fishes some of mixed bodies and those figures they call deities which if they were but animated would affright a man and pass for monsters and then a little farther treating of natural theology 
after citing the opinions of philosophers, he supposes an objection against himself. Somebody will perhaps ask me, Would you have me then to believe the heavens and the earth to be gods, and some of them above the moon, and some below it? Shall I ever be brought to the opinion of Plato or of Strabo the Peripatetic, the one of which would have God to be without a body and the other without a mind? To which he replies, And do you give more credit then to the dreams of T. Tatius, Romulus, Hostilius, who caused among other deities even fear and paleness to be worshipped, the vilest of human affections, the one being the motion of an affrighted mind, and the other not so much the disease as the color of a disordered body. Are these the deities that you would rather put your faith in and place in the heavens? and speaking afterward of their abominable customs, with what liberty does he write? One, says he, out of zeal, makes himself a eunuch. Another lances his arms. If this be the way to please their gods, what should a man do if he had a mind to anger them? Or if this be the way to please them, they do certainly deserve not to be worshipped at all. What a frenzy is this to imagine the gods can be delighted with such cruelties as even the worst of men would make a conscience to inflict. The most barbarous and notorious of tyrants, some of them perhaps have done it themselves, or ordered the tearing of men to pieces by others. But they never went so far as to command any man to torment himself. We have heard of those that have suffered castration to gratify the lust of their imperious masters, but never any man that was forced to act it upon himself. They murder themselves in their very temples, and their prayers are offered up in blood. Whosoever shall but observe what they do and what they suffer will find it so misbecoming an honest man, so unworthy of a free man, and so inconsistent with the action of a man in his wits, that he must conclude them all to be mad, if it were not that there are so many of them, for only their number is their justification and their protection. When he comes to reflect, says St. Augustine, upon those passages which he himself had seen in the capital, he censures them with liberty and resolution, and no man will believe that such things would be done unless in mockery or frenzy. What lamentation is there in the Egyptian sacrifices for the loss of Osiris? And then what joy for the finding of him again, which he makes himself sport with, for in truth it is all a fiction, 
and yet those people that neither lost anything nor found anything must express their sorrows and their rejoicings to the highest degree but there is only a certain time says he for this freak and once in a year people may be allowed to be mad i came to the capital says seneca where the several deities had their several servants and attendants their lictors their dressers and all in posture and action as if they were executing their offices some to hold the glass others to comb out juno's and minerva's hair one to tell jupiter what o'clock it is some lasses there are that sit gazing upon the image and fancy jupiter has a kindness for them all these things says seneca a while after a wise man will observe for the law's sake more than for the gods and all this rabble of deities which the superstition of many ages has gathered together we are in such manner to adore as to consider the worship to be rather matter of custom than of conscience whereupon st augustine observes that this illustrious senator worshipped what he reproved acted what he disliked and adored what he condemned End of of Seneca's Writings by Sir Roger Lestrange From Seneca's Morals of a Happy Life Benefits, Anger, and Clemency Read for LibriVox by Grace Buchanan